<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammates Aliyah Kamalova and Kayleen Holden. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women, so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. On today's episode, we're discussing people-pleasing, what it is, how it can impact you at work, and ways to put an end to your people-pleasing ways. We'll also be sharing five signs that you are a people-pleaser. And now, this is The Females. Okay, so a natural place to start with this discussion seemed like defining, you know, what is a people pleaser? So we went to the experts at Merriam-Webster and this is their definition, which is a people pleaser is someone or something that pleases or wants to please people. Often it's a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. And I find this really interesting because I think the key here is that it's often at their own expense because, you know, people pleasing isn't ter- you know, it, I know it always sounds really negative, but it isn't all that bad because it does show that you're, you know, a caring person who values social connections and enjoys making other people happy. But for many, it's this eagerness to please that stems from when I was researching this more kind of like self-worth issues. And they hope that saying yes to everything asked of them will help them feel more accepted and liked. So I thought this was interesting because I think that's the part of people pleasing. It's kind of like, you know, we've got this branded term, people pleasing, but we kind of forget this whole other part of like, it's at their own expense. It's maybe coming from self-worth issues. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I think that like people pleasing does have a very negative connotation, but at the same time, it's like, that's how you build community is like worrying about or empathizing rather with people and how they're feeling what they're going through. So like, that's also like a form of making sure that their other people are in a good place. I think there's a lot of important aspects when it comes to people pleasing. I think when it's negative is when it becomes so much so that it's at the detriment to yourself where you're not well or (laughs) compromising whatever you want to make sure someone else gets what they want. I have a, I feel like an example of people pleasing that I am very guilty of is like, obviously it's really nice to hold a door open for someone, but sometimes I'll hold the door open and they're like a hundred feet away and you could tell like they're put out. I'm put out. Everyone's like, why are you doing this? The person's like running for the door. And then at the end you're like, why did I even do that? I just like, I just made everything like worse (laughs) by trying to be nice. Like it's a nice move, but it just, I think people pleasing is like when you take it maybe a little too far. 
I feel like it's it often happens at those micro levels where it's like it seems not important, like holding the door open or like I think I talked about this maybe on a previous episode, but where I will just randomly agree with someone's like small talk, like if they're like, oh, the so-and-so actor, I love them. And I'm like, me too, like truly can't list a single movie <laughs> or whatever they've been in. But then walk away. I'm like, why? Why did I try to just <laughs> make them feel so like comfortable or pretend I'm into this thing <laughs> that I'm really not? And I probably won't see that person again. It's just like, you know, a stranger in the elevator, just like laughing at their jokes or whatever. I guess those are like yeah. small pleasantries, but still, I feel like it counts. Well, when I was researching this, one of the things I came across is that many people confuse people pleasers with like kindness mm-hmm. or like, you know, being courteous. And I think what both of you are describing are kind of like these social, like these nonverbal social, like, or I guess yours was verbal, Aaliyah, but it's like, you just understand like, hey, I'll hold the door open or like, it's more from a kindness standpoint. Like, I don't think either of those occurrences are stemming from a place of self-worth. And you guys are like, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like you're you're not doing this at the expense of your own needs or desires, right? It's more kind of like, and I think for women, this happens a lot. Like we're very conditioned to sort of like, I think this is why a lot of women think this is that they're natural people pleasers because we're sort of conditioned to be the go along, get mm-hmm. along guys, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see if people returning to offices after quarantine, if this will become more or less prevalent. I kind of feel like it might be less prevalent. I don't know, this is just like an unresearched biased <laughs> claim that I have probably, <laughs> but it just seems like people have had a shift of perspective, I think with COVID going on. And then also like this revolution happening in, at least like in the U S one of the largest we've seen. So like in my lifetime, probably, I feel like people aren't going to be as like, that's fine that that person said that, or like, I'll, I'll let this slide. I, I hope that in a positive way, people will be more outspoken about like, this is making me uncomfortable at work or right. like, no, I deserve to be on this project or whatever it may be. So I'm interested to see like how that cultural shift will show up in terms of people pleasing. Yeah. Like putting their needs and mm-hmm. desires ahead of others. Agreed. And and part of this is that when this shift happens, it's kind of like also you want to be able to know that you're going to be in a safe place to do that. Like before... Mm-hmm. putting your needs and desires and and being more outspoken. There was just a time where like that just, you just wouldn't do that. It would be too big of a risk to like your career or whatever it mm-hmm. is like that. So, okay. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I don't understand. Am I a people pleaser? Am I not a people pleaser? It's okay. We understand. So we're going to go over five signs that you are a people pleaser. And then also like how to stop and how to like create habits that allow you to put your needs and desires ahead of others so that, you know, we're not talking about being unkind. We're just talking about making sure that you are having your actions stem from a place of positive self-worth. Let's take a quick break to tell you about one of our favorite products, YNAB, also known as You Need a Budget. If you're worried about your budget right now, you're certainly not alone. 
Whether you're looking to safeguard your finances over the next few months, get out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle, or finally get your savings going, we have the perfect tool for you. It's called You Need a Budget. And trust us, this award-winning budgeting platform is life-changing, not just for you, but also your bank account, which is pretty amazing. Nobody really ever considered what it would be like to budget through a pandemic. Totally fair. Uh, Budgeting already was a tough topic, but with a pandemic, it's a lot harder because with layoffs, furloughs, and just general uncertainty, it's actually the perfect time to focus on a budget and gain total control of the money that you do have. You Need a Budget is different from any other budgeting tool you've used in the past. They're not going to trick you into saving more than you can afford. And they're certainly not going to shame you when your budget goes off the rails a little bit. Instead, You Need a Budget teaches you how to actually succeed at budgeting and prioritizing. You Need a Budget provides the four rules that are key to financial planning for the things that are most important to you. Join the thousands of budgeters who have changed their lives using You Need a Budget and sign up for a free 34-day trial at youneedabudget.com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. Here's your favorite budget-friendly part. There's no credit card required. So it's a true free 34-day trial. That's youneedabudget.com slash females. All right, that's one more time. It's You Need a Budget. It's the money management tool that changes lives. All right, now let's get back to the show. While it's a great set of skills to be able to work with others, hello, interpersonal skills, being too much of a people pleaser actually sets you back. It diminishes your work, undermines your authority, and eventually it stunts your professional growth. So our first sign that you're a people pleaser is you agree even when you disagree. This is a common trait of people pleasers, whether it's in a meeting, having a one-on-one conversation, or in the middle of a big negotiation, people pleasers tend to agree even when they don't. There are certainly circumstances where sharing your personal or political opinions is not necessary. However, people pleasers tend to agree even when they vehemently disagree. So how to stop? Um, If you find yourself being agreeable just for the sake of being agreeable, ask yourself a few questions. Does agreeing with this particular opinion, direction, or move go against my personal values? Is agreeing with this undermining the work and research I have already done up to this point? Does agreeing to this do more harm or more good? So basically, if the answers to these questions indicate that you're actually not in agreement with what this person is saying, then I feel like it's simply like you can just say that. I disagree because and then provide the facts because you can't really advocate for yourself or others if you're constantly agreeing with someone just because you like want them to be like uh, non-confrontational or just, I don't know, you just want to agree with them. So I think if you use data and facts to support your point of view, that'll take some of the emotional awkwardness out of it, maybe if you could call it that. Um, and just simply, I don't know, state why you disagree. Yeah. I think too, the first time you do this, it might feel a little uncomfortable, especially if you're used to being, you know, a people pleaser who agrees. So 
I would say maybe start small or or like mm-hmm. get in the habit of practicing this in maybe, you know, less intense environments. So when somebody wants to watch a TV show that you don't want to watch, like you could just practice saying that. I know that's mm-hmm. like not going to cause any harm in your life. But the point being is like you could always practice small and then work your way up because I feel like the first time you do something like this, your body has this like <laughs> physical reaction of like discomfort. But you're like, no, 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 I got to do this. I know this is the right thing to do. And also the other tip I would have for this is like the first time you do it, say it, and then don't feel the need to like keep going on and on Mm -hmm. and on with the explanation. I do that sometimes. Like when I disagree with something and I'm definitely a people pleaser, I, I can tell that about myself, but I almost get so uncomfortable that I feel like I have to give them like this novel of reasons why I disagree, you know? Mm -hmm. I think another safe way to disagree without maybe saying you disagree is replying with a question like, why do you think that is the best move to make? Or why do you feel that way? I think that's a good way to like have them kind of just review like what, off. Yeah, what they say. They're like, oh, what? why do I think that? And it, it like <laughs> yeah. opens the dialogue where you don't have to be like, oh, I disagree or that's, that's yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it like leads more to like a place of compromise if it's something that like is like halting a project or whatever and you need to make a decision. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay, so sign number two, you apologize too much. So we talk about weak language at work a lot on Career Contessa, and you're probably like, well, why? Well, because we recognize it in ourselves all too often. I think especially women, you guys know that this is not just our opinion, but like research has analyzed the way women reply to emails versus men, and and there is just more apologetic language used in there. And I just want to put it out there. Like apologies are absolutely fine when you're, sorry or when you have something legitimate to apologize for. But again, ask yourself a question. Are you undermining yourself by constantly apologizing? Because we tend to use apologies to smooth over awkward events or to make room for others to be comfortable. So it's almost like sorry is used not actually as an apology. It's like a, a buffer word. And so the simple way on how to stop this is to just try to add new phrases and terms to your vocabulary. So instead of saying sorry, when you're not actually apologizing for anything, you can try some alternatives. Some of my favorites are literally saying, excuse me, or instead of saying, oh, apologies for being late, I like to say now, thanks for your patience. Another one is thanks for pointing that out. So almost like more of like the thank you angle than the sorry angle. If you're interrupting someone, instead of being like, sorry, can I ask you about something? You could say, is now a good time to ask about whatever it is. The other thing sometimes I'll do, I'll I'll hear someone say, you know, someone will tell me a story and I'll say, oh, I'm so sorry about that. It would almost be more helpful at times to say something like, that sounds like it was really hard for you or that sounds really hard. So I just think that once you recognize that and kind of pay attention to that pattern, then see if you can add these other phrases and be more mindful about using them in like your written responses, your verbal responses. And, and, you know, that will literally create that new habit. Yeah. I think it's like, sorry is just such a word that's kind of like, um, or like yeah, where you just so put easy. it into a sentence. Just, yeah. Like you were saying as a buffer, as something to make whatever you're saying not as assertive. 
is what it is. Yeah, well, and it I sounds it makes it softer. It, it sounds soft and like this, like t- like you're tiptoeing your way into something versus like barging through the door a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, like <laughs> excuse me sounds so like harsh, whereas sorry sounds so nice and kind. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. All right, sign number three: you always have someone double check your work. This is something people pleasers do in order to get feedback and to make sure their work is up to snuff. Like a lot of quote unquote pleaser behavior, this isn't always a bad thing. Generally speaking, feedback is great and we should seek it out where we can. However, constantly asking for feedback, approval, or credit can actually diminish the quality of your work and it can diminish how others view you. Rather than constantly asking for feedback, find new confidence in your work. If you're looking for a second pair of eyes for edits or mistakes, create a check for yourself. If you're looking for a second pair of eyes or for edits or mistakes, create a checklist for yourself. Run your own work quality checks through a battery of filters. Is everything spelled correctly? Are the dates all correct? Asking for help is good. However, you need to enlist the self-confidence in your own work rather than relying on approval from others at every turn. So how to stop? So how to stop asking for feedback? While gaining feedback in the beginning of a role or project is good, you run a long-term risk of undermining yourself. I think especially with working remotely, I think a lot of people are maybe overly conscious about making sure their work is seen, so they are running their work by others. So our first tip is this. Ask yourself why you feel the constant need for feedback. Is it because you're really unsure of your work, or is it the work of imposter syndrome? Chances are it is imposter syndrome, which is that nagging voice inside your head. You know, it's the one that says your work is trash or that you must be doing something wrong. Overcoming imposter syndrome is like overcoming any other pesky problem. The first step is in acknowledging it. Next time you're feeling iffy about your work and you want to, quote unquote, run it by someone, run it by yourself instead. Run it against the work you've successfully completed in the past. Try negating the imposter voice by infusing positivity into your own review of your own work. Remember, you are likely your own worst critic. Try being confident and positive in your own work on for size. It will help you immensely in the long run. I feel like to, if you stop having to like ask someone to double check your work, that just makes you like a nicer person to work with overall. Because <laughs> it's like, you're just like, oh, that's the person that just like gets their work done. And yeah. like, it's great. Because I mean, I think a, a lot of us have at some point been like, oh, can you read this email? And it's like a basic email to someone that like you haven't met or something. And it's like, I need three people to look at this. And it's like, no, you don't. You you really don't. <laughs> I feel like it'll just make someone more efficient <laughs> worker. Especially working remotely. It's yeah. like, you know, the back and forth time just to get someone to review something is probably more time than it would have been to just, I don't know, walk away for 10 minutes and then come back and check your work. And that's something I think too is like, okay, you're afraid that you might make a mistake. You're right. You might mm-hmm. make a mistake, but what is the worst thing that could happen? You know, if, if the stakes are really high, then yeah, totally asking someone makes sense. But I would say if the stakes are low, ask yourself like, what's the worst case scenario? Okay. You maybe make a mistake and you learn from it or always build in some buffer time to walk away and then come back with a fresh pair of eyes with stuff. I just think this is like something that you see in a lot of perfectionists too, which Mm -hmm. can really keep you from moving forward because it's almost like you've got that analysis paralysis or like this fear about doing something without the approval of other people, which is a pretty tough way to go through work for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Sign number four, you are constantly burdened by other people's feelings. So do you find yourself constantly distracted by your boss's moods, 
do you feel personally attacked if your coworker wears her headphones for an entire day? So people pleasers commonly find themselves involved in other people's feelings. Think of it as an empathy overload. Empathy is crucial in the workplace, but there is a line where empathy can actually manifest as nosiness in disguise. So how to stop? Recognize when those around you are in need of soothing word or a walk around the block. However, also recognize that when people need a few minutes of solitude or when they're having a personally bad day, they might want to be left alone and it has nothing to do with you. So know when your attention to other people's feelings is an intrusion on your work and your own well-being. So this is basically just kind of having like a self-awareness or an awareness of the people around you and just picking up on their verbal and nonverbal cues to, I don't know, like just take a moment to process, is this actually a personal attack or, you know, people have bad days. Maybe they just, I don't know, are upset today. So, uh, and that shouldn't be like, your entire workday shouldn't be consumed with like, why are they mad at me? <laughs> because yeah. then you have no time to work. <laughs> it's funny. So we did this webinar, which by the way, all of our webinars are free right now on, and it was seven ways to use your strengths at work. It's really amazing. It's a free replay if you guys want to go on it under Career Contessa webinar. So the person teaching it was a Clifton strengths expert. So I took the strengths. My number one was empathy. I was like surprised, but I wasn't surprised about that. And so if anybody identifies with this people-pleasing sign, I'm right in the same camp as you. And part of it is like, I think it is as I've gotten older, I've actually gotten a lot better. Like I remember when I was earlier in my career, I would be like very burdened by people's emotions or like thinking I did something wrong if they didn't, this is an exaggeration. I'm just using this as an example. Like if they didn't say good morning, you know? And like, as I've gotten older, I will say like, the skin is a lot tougher, if that makes sense. And and, and that you kind of learn to very much, as you said, Aaliyah, like you learn a self-awareness. And I think that's also, I don't know, taking a step back and not always assuming it's something with you, but maybe asking different questions instead. Like it can actually be kind of a selfish thing, right? You're like, oh, it's always about mm-hmm. me. But also it's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. It doesn't always have to be about you. And I think that can be weird because empathy is you know, taking on the emotions of other people. So you don't think about it being about you. But anyway, so that's my small TED talk about this if anybody's <laughs> interested because I definitely identify with it. I feel like this one also comes uh, hand in hand with that whole um, likability trap. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where it's like, I want everyone to know that like, I'm really, you know, entrenched in your feelings and, how, you know, what's going on with you. And it's just becomes, yeah, it can be super intrusive. Yeah. And just like distracting and there is the difference between being kind and decent and then just being like completely intrusive and like actually maybe a little inappropriate where yeah. work yeah. work maybe isn't the place. I feel right? like yeah, after work even the common thread with all of these signs so far is just like ask yourself why you're about <laughs> yeah. to do this. Like are you truly like trying to empathize and like figure out what's wrong or are you just trying to make sure you didn't do something? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. It's like a self, mm-hmm. a little selfish, yeah. right? Yeah. Have you seen that progressive commercial that it's like the guy who's supposed to stop people from becoming like their parents? And <laughs> no. It, like, so he'll like interject. So there's a guy who's like, oh, if you're really looking for a grout brush and he's just like talking to the stranger at the hardware store and the guy will come up and be like, did they ask you to help? <laughs> 
It's really good. It's kind of things like that. And it's like them like directing traffic in a parking lot. It's like, you don't know them. (laughs) Oh man, we all need that guy next to us. Okay, so last sign, sign number five that you are a people pleaser is that you take blame when it's not yours. So does confrontation make you uneasy? Does discord send your day into complete chaos? This behavior is a little extreme, but listen up. If you find yourself taking the blame for someone else's mistake, maybe in the interest of settling a dispute or calming things down, you are probably a people pleaser. Do not accept blame for missteps by others. While you feel like you are diffusing a situation in the moment, you are actually adding to long-term problems. So when teams are, you know, for example, unable to find the true root cause of a problem, it will likely occur and have bigger repercussions. So how to stop this is pretty simple. Next time there's unrest in a meeting or between members of your team, let the real problems come to light and work themselves out without you feeling like you have to be the person who steps in and is like, I'll take one for the team because you're not taking one for the Mm -hmm. team. We talk about this a lot in, I know, articles we have about problem solving. And basically, while this feels like putting a tiny little bandage on it, it's like actually stopping everyone from digging a little deeper and finding the real root cause. And it just, it does more damage than Yeah. And I feel like this is especially difficult if in a executive assistant position. I feel like assistants are often like kind of thrown under the bus for like, well, I don't want to make my boss look bad or I don't want to make like my team look bad. Like if you're a representative and I feel like it is really challenging to be like, no, it wasn't me when you are like (laughs) the easiest person to blame. You're just like, excuse me. (laughs) I'm going to actually take down the CEO of my company, but it's not me. (laughs) But like, I agree though, Kayleen, like it eventually, the problem will just keep happening where it's like, if you're truly, your interest is stopping the problem, then you have to address it where the problem's being caused. Yeah. You don't want to be an enabler for sure. All right. Let's recap five signs you are a people pleaser. Sign number one, you agree even when you disagree. Sign number two, you apologize too much. Sign number three, you always have someone double check your work. Sign number four, you are constantly burdened by other people's feelings. And sign number five, you take blame when it's not yours. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. Hopefully you've learned a lot about people pleasing with some helpful tips on how to stop. If you like what you heard, please give us a review and rate us. It's super, super helpful for us to to have those reviews and more people are able to find our show. And hopefully if they're people pleasers, they can stop that. (laughs) If you're looking for more information about people pleasing, we're sharing five more signs that you're a people pleaser via an article on Career Contessa. We made sure to link to that in the show notes. Plus, don't forget that it's often challenging for people pleasers to put themselves first. That's why we created a 100 Days of Self-Care checklist that you can download for free via the show notes and start your new daily practice.